0: This season of Well and Good with Art and Matilda is brought to you by Subaru. We love Subarus, and we think they're the perfect car for Kiwis.
1: Indeed they are, Art, because Kiwis are doers, right? And so are Subaru drivers. We're the kind of people who are always pushing to sneak that little bit more out of life. We stay out surfing for that one last wave, we sneak in a trip down to the river for a swim, and we stay at the beach eating our fish and chumps until the very last speck of light is gone. So if you want to do more, do it with Subaru. Hola, hola. (laughs) Hola. Hola. Now, the reason I'm speaking in Espanol is that it's kind of setting the scene for this interview. So this interview is with our friend Jimmy Hunt, who lives in Oaxaca in Mexico, where we did this interview.
0: That's right. So uh, if you can imagine, we recorded this episode in their lounge. We'd been staying with them for a a few days in Puerto Escondido. Uh, We're sitting in their lounge. We had to close the... Doors and windows because it was um, too windy, and uh, we are sweltering when we recorded this, weren't we?
1: I reckon it was close to a billion degrees. <laughs> yeah, give or take. Yeah.
0: Anyway, it's a really interesting interview. Um, Jimmy is an incredible guy. He's, uh, I guess, he's sort of changing the the way that mental health is perceived and um, dealt with. Uh, he's sort of he talks about mental health as mental fitness, um, and he offers a bunch of tools and experiences. And information on how to deal with mental fitness
1: Yeah, he's pretty incredible He's a real kind of change maker He's also a speaker, an author um, Adventure seeker, I I would call him And all-round legend who's up for challenging the status quo And you might know the name Jimmy Hunt From Lilo the Waikato Or Building the World's Biggest water slide. And through them, he found that he could help himself Through his own journey through depression But also other people and as a result, he started a charity called Live More Awesome.
0: Yeah, right on. All right, let's get, get into it. Hola, Jimmy.
2: Hola. <laughs>
1: Hola, como estas?
0: Yeah, I'm pretty damn
1: fine. Thanks very
2: much.
0: <laughs> well, should we set the scene? We're, yes. um, we're sitting here in Oaxaca,
1: mm-hmm. Mexico,
0: in a place called Puerto Escondido. We've been staying here for the last four days with Jimmy and his beautiful wife Libby. Libby's sitting with an earshot, and she just perked up when she heard that. (laughs)
1: Beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we've been having a great time, haven't we? Absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Mm. So, anyway, without further ado, welcome, Jimmy. Hi, <laughs> hello! Thank you so much for joining us, My and name's thanks for Jimmy. having us in your um, hood of Puerto Escondido.
2: We're very, very happy to have you here because, uh, as I was telling you, you're our first friends here, oh, and so we get to show you around and show you all the things we found and we love. And sharing that is one of life's great joys. Absolutely, and the delicious tacos. Oh yeah! So, so is this? How long have you been here? Uh, this In Puerto, this is only our second year. Yeah. Um, but we, the day we turned up, we looked at each other, and my wife and I, and we went, ooh, we love this place. And uh, my wife and I are very, 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 very different, and uh, that never happens. And so <laughs> I was like, holy shit, we're staying. It's yep, a sign. We're staying. And so uh, it happened... Uh, so quickly that we're like, yep, we extended our first day and said we're coming back next year. And then uh, exclusive for Art and Matilda. Hello. Today, we signed the final papers for our land in Mexico. So we are now not only business owners in Mexico, but landowners in Mexico. Next year, we start building our house.
0: Our you perfect little house. Hear yeah. you heard it here no, first, that's, folks. that's awesome. So, is it, does it feel like home for you here?
2: Oh yeah, the day yeah. we turned up. Yeah, you've scooped the Herald on that. Um, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like, it's one of the very strange things is that it feels like home from. Sort of day one and two. Um, The people are lovely. I mean, Libby and I feel at home anywhere where it's really warm. Um, So the temperature here is always hot. The the sea is warm. The waves are great. The food is amazing. And so it's like, oh, and uh, basically, take what I earn in New Zealand, quadruple it, five times it, that's what the cost of living makes me here. So I feel rich here. Yeah. um,
0: Which is kind of nice.
1: Yeah, totally. It's so, hard to get there Because I'm,
0: I'm not rich in New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> so what's? I mean, what's your typical day? What do you guys get up to during the during the day during the week?
2: Um, well, uh, I I go surfing most days, uh, and not surfing surfing, I body surf, um, and so I also I spend maybe three days a week six hours a day making hand planes for body surfing which are basically li- tiny little surfboards that go on one hand they are and adorable they are adorable and uh and i use those to to ride big waves um and puerto Escondido has some of the biggest waves in the world um in the summer here it can get up to about 50 foot depending on big <sighs> swells 30 foot 20 foot you know, tiny day, 10 foot.
0: Um, so so you and I went out in some waves today. I tried one of your hand planes. You it was, did. It was good fun. Came away with sand in places that I didn't know sand could get in. Yeah. Bit of um, What's What were the size of the waves that we were doing today? Uh,
2: the biggest ones that were coming through might have been four foot. Okay.
0: <gasps> so so they, what? Seemed, yeah. they seemed pretty big to me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so we, how big is too big for a
2: body surf? Well, it's it's not for a body surfer. It's for the for the individual. Like I top out. So Puerto Escondido, Zicatela, the main beach is one of the heaviest waves in the world. It's it's called the Mexican Pipeline, mm. um, and it's gnarly. And I will top out at twelve foot. My friend Bachi here, twenty five thirty, <gasps> body surfing.
1: Oh my goodness! Um, wow. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. So, so the, just for the fact that you don't have a board doesn't mean you can't ride big waves.
1: Yeah. Wow, that's incredible. That's some some serious courage. Like even watching from the beach, I was like feeling a little bit scared. Yeah. You know, yep. and I wasn't even in the water. Stop endangering my <laughs> yeah. art! I was like, at what point do I go in and save them? You know, and
0: really embarrass me, and
1: then die myself.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that is unfortunate. Um, a lot of tourists do die here. Um, mm. Zika Tella, the main beach, just all the way down, no swimming signs. Mm. Just don't go swimming here. Um, and tourists uh, apparently can't read pictures. Um, and oh, they go God. for swims and they don't come back. Um, there's other swimming beaches around here you should go and swim at. Uh, just don't go swim at Zika Yeah,
1: because even just looking at it, there's no way I would get in there. Yeah, No way. Think Pihar
2: times 10. Yeah, absolutely. You know? And don't go swimming
1: there. Mm. So what kind of brought on the move to Mexico? Because your job as a motivational speaker is you can kind of work wherever, right? Like, did that Well, I can't work it? here
2: because I don't speak Spanish well <laughs> enough to talk to anybody. <laughs> <laughs> no one's going to pay me any money to do motivational talks here. It is actually here.
0: quite funny coming here and kind of I had expected you to speak some, um, you know, level of Spanish. But your Spanish is... It's pretty a shit mil. A um, And luckily you've got Libby Who's your translator I here. blame
2: my wife um, Because yeah She she enables me By speaking pretty fluent <laughs> Spanish um, Oh that's
1: the thing It's like well why learn If yeah, you're always with someone why that learn knows
2: with, it with my wife Can do it for me But no I am I am going to be starting lessons soon And I And, and I, I Will be living here A lot of the year So I do need to be able to speak Spanish And uh, It's actually one of my biggest fears uh, and I'm, I'm quite happy to say that. It's like I am deathly afraid of languages and learning them. I feel like a failure. Wow. I feel like I can't retain the words and the sentences. And the rest of my life, I am pretty naturally talented at a lot of things. Um, and this is one thing that I am the opposite of. And that's my ego getting in the way. And going, I don't want to be shit at something. Um, mm. And so, if I don't try it, then I'm not shit at it because yeah. I, because I haven't tried it. But when I start trying it, and I'm shit at it, then I'm actually officially shit at it.
0: And yeah. I suppose it's one of those things where you kind of compare yourself to others because languages. I mean, naturally, a lot of people speak Spanish. It's you know, it's their language, and so it kind of seems like it's not you know, it's not difficult for them to know how to speak it. They've grown up speaking it, but you've got to make a serious effort to learn a whole new thing. Yeah, absolutely.
2: Right? But even all the tourists that come around here, you know, seem to be getting by pretty good. You know, um, and then and yeah, that does make me feel a little bit sad um, that I can't even. Like, I just don't. My brain just doesn't seem to work. In a way Like my wife will teach me a a sentence Three minutes later I would have repeated it 20 times And I can't remember the sentence Mm. Mm. And like That's It just It's really strange to me Because Like you give me You give me stories You give me facts You give me anything In English And like I'll hold on to that I'll remember it I'll I'll be able to Say it back to you You know All of that sort of carry on But just In another language It just really seems to escape me And I've been a real bitch about it And just not really tried. Mm. Um, and it's, it's definitely something that I'm, you know, it's, it's a, it's a hurdle that I need to get over and and, and work through. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, I mean, Jimmy, for for people who don't know you, you're kind of a a mental health guru, but with a bit of a twist, I kind of, I kind of think, um, how, like, how do you describe yourself and what do you do? Uh, yeah, well, I guess a twist. Yeah. I mean,
2: Basically, because I say shit that no one else says, mm. and I go against what a lot of people say, so yeah, uh, it is a little bit different. I call myself uh, a mental health change maker. It came from the fact that when I when I say change maker is that uh, that originally came from um, like I'd write a book, right? Mm. And people go, "Oh my god, I love your book!" And I'll go, "Cool, what changes have you made because of that book?" Oh, oh, yeah, none nah, nothing. <laughs>
1: Wait, oh, was I supposed to do like, something? Yeah, you know,
2: oh, right, okay, sure. And then I made this program called the Basic Reset Program, and people did it, but there was something like a 80% failure rate on the mm. program. And I'm like, oh, like, why? I made it really as simple as possible. Mm. Um, my new Basic Reset, I've rejigged everything to try and fix all of those problems. But um, basically... People read books, they they listen to things, and then they go home with a little bit of inspiration and then they don't do anything. And they go to sleep and they wake up and they've forgotten about it and same, they're back to their normal yeah, lives. same life. And so basically I say if, if I go – if I do a talk and the people – like people don't walk out of that talk and go and make actual physical re, real changes in their lives – the company wasted their time paying for me to be there, wasted their money uh, paying for me to be there. And so the only thing that matters is change. Yeah. The only thing, the only constant is change. Like the world and everything about it is constantly changing only constant is change. And so you can either get on board with that change or you can fight that change. And so often as humans, we just try and fight the change. We want everything to stay the same. We want our relationships to stay the same, our jobs. Fucking everything needs to stay the same. No. Everything I'm about is fighting that and trying to create more change, more conscious meaningful positive change and being aware of it and, and and bringing it on in order to create happier healthier you know lives societies countries um, yeah mm-hmm. and so so that's that's where we're at with mental health like it's a much more holistic and broader picture than we that we tend to box it into mm-hmm. um, and people need to understand that and then actually start working at it. Do you do you find
1: it frustrating that um, people probably come to you and they say, oh, I feel like shit, I've got this bad kind of mental health, um, but a lot of people don't want to do anything about it? Um, does that kind of frustrate you? Because I guess you have to want to make a change, right? And, and it seems like a lot of people um, complain but don't, want to do anything differently
2: nothing changes Hmm. if nothing changes rule number one yeah you want different outcome you need to do something different einstein said that the definition of insanity doing the same thing over and over again expecting a different result and that's i've just basically summed up the first world um (laughs) that's that's what we do I'll go to sleep tonight. Tomorrow it'll be different.
1: And it's quick fixes, isn't it? Like yeah. everybody wants a pill or they want a quick program or, or they want something that's going to fix them. in like an instant, they're going to fix this thing that is wrong with them. Yeah,
2: you got to do the work. Like that's the thing is like, uh, I use a lot of analogies with physical fitness in order to get my point across. You don't just decide I'm going to have a six pack and then later that day, magic, got a six pack. Right. So you need to, you need to then make another decision. You need to go right now. I'm going to go to the gym. You need to make another decision. Uh, you know, I'm going to now eat well, you need to make another decision that we need to ask art about. Cause I ain't got a six pack. I don't know. <laughs> and so basically you need to do the work. You can't teleport from shit to amazing. It's a gradual process that you need to you need to just like physical fitness you don't go from fat on the couch to Olympic athlete you know in a day a week or a month. You know, it's, it's this gradual thing that you need to work on every day. And so we need to get people to understand that first. So, so you ask the question, "Is like, does it annoy me? No, it doesn't annoy me. These people have been conditioned by society and the way that we live to not know this stuff. We're not taught it at schools. We're not taught it by our parents. We're not taught it by anybody. So I, I hold nothing against the people that don't know this. My first job is always to get them on board, with making change. Mm-hmm. Because basically the, what it all boils down to in the end is that I can't do the work in your head. Books can't do it. Doctors can't do it. Partners can't do it. Nobody can do the work in your head except for you. Just like if you're a personal trainer and you've got a client. Like, doesn't matter how much you work out, your client's not going to get any, uh, any thinner. The client has to do the work. Mm. And so... The, the difference is in physical health, it's usually the client that comes to you and they're like ready to lose weight. Um, but in mental health, a lot of people just aren't, aren't ready to do the work just yet. And so step number one is what we call, you know, I call flicking the switch. The inspiration to go, right, something needs to
0: change. How do I change it? I'm in, I'll do whatever I can. With um, going on from that analogy of physical fitness... Um, You know, with physical health, there are certain markers that we can kind of um, compare ourselves to that kind of indicate where we're at on this continuum of physical health. Are there similar type things with regards to mental health?
2: Not really. And that's the reason why people neglect it for so long. Like You can see your pants getting tighter. And so there you're like, oh, got to do something.
1: <laughs> Something's got to give. Yeah,
2: but you can't see that. Like, So basically for your listeners, we'll just explain uh, the fundamentals real quick. You out there in podcast land, you have mental health. Whether you like it or not, whether you acknowledge it or not, you have mental health. And it is not a mentally ill, mentally well f- switch that we flick on and flick off. It is a continuum. My continuum runs from zero being dead to 100 being godlike enlightenment, and we're all somewhere on that continuum. Depression technically is uh, an extended period of low mental health, right? So we'll call that under 20. So if you're under 20 for an extended period of time, we'll call you depressed if we feel like throwing a label on it. But you're just at low mental health. If you're at 30, you're not depressed, technically. No one's bothering you. You know, I have to go see a doctor, everything, but I don't want to live at 30 for the rest of my life. Mm. And so the, the whole idea is what work do we put in to move us from 5 to 15, 15 to 30, 30 to 50, 50 to 70. How do we move up that continuum?
0: Yeah. Mm hmm. And and how and how do we move up that continuum? What are some of the things that you tell people?
2: Yeah, well, um, so I, I've got a sort of a th- three-step process. Um, uh, step one um, is awareness, right? So basically, if you're not aware of a problem, you can't fix it, right? Um, you know, you, you, guys, you guys were talking about uh, before uh, how your growth that you've managed to miraculously have has been unconscious. Like, you just happen to be growing because you happen to be going through some things. Um, so right then you're, you're unaware of, of what you're doing. Um, but if you're actually going the other way and you're sliding down because you don't know what to do. So first step is self-awareness. To be understanding, oh shit, I have mental health. It's not going the way I want to do. I have problems. These are my problems. I want to fix them. Step one. Step two is radical ownership. So radical ownership is real simple. And that is every single thing that is within your control is your responsibility. So now the universe will s- s- shove lots of shit in your way, right? That stuff that will happen to you that is out of your control. And so that, you need not worry about because you can't, you can't control it even if you want it to. Every single thing else that is in your control, your responsibility, 100%. Now, that's confronting for a lot of people. And this, this is something that I say in my talks, which is uh, like the most confronting thing for so many people. And it is probably one of the most important things that I say. And I wish that I'd written it, but I did not. I stole this from somewhere. Who knows? and it's this. Your trauma is probably not your fault. Your healing is 100% your responsibility. So much so that I repeat it. Your trauma is not your fault. Shit happens to you. People probably did shit to you, whatever, whether it was horrible, whatever. Not your fault. Your healing, 100% your responsibility and no one else's. You are not even statistically likely to get an apology from these people, let alone have them actually help you heal your trauma, right? Yeah. And so, like, it is only you. Mm. That, that, that is absolutely it. You and no one else, you're 100% responsible. Fix it. That's confronting for a lot of of people but it's the reality
1: because it's almost like a security blanket right they people think well like i i've had this shit stuff happen to me so this is why i am how i
2: am yes absolutely people people uh it becomes their identity Mm -hmm. i am a depressed person i am an abused person i am a bullied person and it just becomes who they are because that's what happens when trauma happens to you like you know it it Takes control of who you are. And so it's understandable, but your healing is still 100% your responsibility. Mm-hmm. And if you want to be better, you don't want to wallow in this for the rest of your life, you've got to do something about it. You have to take 100% radical ownership of your life, your situation, where you're at, and where you're going. Number three, brutal honesty. We lie to ourselves constantly about everything. I mean, not only do we lie to the people around us, obviously, but we lie to ourselves, right? And so there's, you know, we're honest people, right? We're honest, but then then the next level, which is brutal honesty, like brutal honesty is quite hard and only comes out occasionally. It's like, no, 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 I need brutal honesty honesty like brutally honest inside like looking inwards at yourself and being able to go all right that's a that's a really hard truth that's not nice about me but i want to change it and so when you put self awareness radical ownership and brutal honesty together you are halfway to anywhere you want to be once you put those three together change is easy
1: mm-hmm.
2: Changes real hard without those three things. Yeah. And so, you know, when we talk about the mental health continuum and putting your so, first of all, self-awareness is I'm now aware I'm on a continuum. Right? Radical ownership is I I own where I currently am on that continuum and where I want to go. Brutal fucking honesty is putting you on that continuum with real real brutal honesty and ownership, right?
1: Being like, I'm low on that continuum. Yeah, and so
2: and so, at my absolute worst, probably at a two. And when, if you'd come to me at that time and said, hey, Jimmy, how you doing? Where are you on that continuum? I'd have been, oh, I'm not great at the moment, you know. I'm having some bad days. It's a little bit tough, but, you know, I'm all right. I'm probably, probably 35, 40, you know, maybe 45, Oh, yeah, cool, thanks. See you later. I was at a two. Mm. Real close to being dead. I did a whole bunch of work. Went on an adventure called Lilo the Waikato. uh, Did a whole bunch of things. And if someone had come to me after Lilo the Waikato and said, where are you at? I'd have been, oh, great, thanks. I'm like 70 now, doing real well. Thanks for asking. I was probably at 25 or 30. I wasn't depressed. I didn't need labels put on me. No one was bothering me anymore. Like I was sort of living like a normal human. Mm. 25 to 30. If I was being brutally honest with myself. But at the time I wasn't. Mm. And I was like 70. And so like just asking to put people on a continuum doesn't really help you when you can't quite gauge how brutally honest they are about that. And so right now, I would say that I'm at an 80 and that's after seven years of going to the gym every day in my mind. And I only just went from 75 to 80 about a month ago with a, with a bit of a jump. Um, and so I know my, my life goal is to get to about 90. Like I'm never making it to God, like enlightenment at a hundred or anything like that, but like my life goal, 85, 90. Um, and so like, that's what we've got to be able to get people to comprehend. I'm on a continuum. I'm owning where I'm at.
0: I'm being honest about it. Now I can start moving up that continuum. And then, and so when you when you talk about starting then to move up that continuum, and you talk about, um, you know, going into it's almost like a yeah a mental gym, and you're starting to exercise your mind. What how, how do you go about that? Yeah, well, I mean, uh, the,
2: I talk about a mental health toolbox, right? So it's kind of like training for life. And you want a toolbox full of a whole bunch of different tools so that when a problem situation arises, you've got the right tool for the right job, right? And you can, you can, you can fix it real quick. The number one tool that you should put in your mental health toolbox, every single person should have this in their toolbox, is meditation meditation is the number one mental health thing. Now, I explain meditation a lot in my talks and I've absolutely boiled it down to this really quick point, right? I will talk now about meditation and the people in podcast land will, they all know what meditation is, right? And maybe one or 2% of them actually do it and do it properly. The rest of them know about it. They know it's good for you, but they don't do it. I could now go into telling you about Uh, all of the science around meditation. The last 10 years, 15 years has been amazing and absolutely like mapping the brain of meditators and and the changes in the brain, regrowing gray matter, rewiring neural pathways. Holy shit, it's amazing. I can tell you all of that stuff, you still won't meditate. I can tell you about a guy called Tim Ferriss. Famous author, wrote a book last year called Tools of Titans, where he interviewed like 70 of the most successful, wealthy, amazing people on the planet. His biggest takeaway from writing that book, that over 90% of the people he interviewed had a daily meditation practice. And these people still won't do it. And so I'll give you like the lowest common denominator um story about meditation. Uh, Berkeley University in California did a did a study thing experiment where they went to the lowest decile school in San Francisco. Sorry, the lowest decile school district. And they said, we've got this program. It's called Quiet Time. We want to put it in your schools. And they like well we don't have time, we don't have money, we don't have resources, blah, blah, blah. And they said, cost nothing, and it takes 20 seconds to implement and they're like right, we're listening we'll put it in and it's as simple as this what they did was they got the teachers in every class for 60 seconds at the start 60 seconds at the end tell the kids this close your eyes be quiet for 60 seconds that's it nothing else start and end of the class they did that for 6 months and then they um, did all of the uh, analytics to find out how this had done shootings down, stabbings down, bullying down, truancy down, test scores up. They had these profound, massive results. And these are, these are like big differences that they, that they found. Profound, massive results from just doing 60 seconds at the start and end of every class with kids who didn't even know what they were doing. Yeah. Simply told to close their eyes That's
0: That's amazing.
2: Imagine what you two or the people out there listening could do with even the minimum effort like that. How much you smart, first world, capable people could do with even just that minimum amount of effort. Mm. And so, like, if that can't illustrate to you the power of meditation, I don't know how else to explain it. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah. That's incredible. We uh, saw a documentary a while ago about... Um, I think it was actually in Mexico about how they had brought in a meditation uh, practice to this jail. And the inmates were way less violent. There was no kind of prisoner rise-ups or anything like that. Yeah, it yeah. was yeah. It was amazing. That's simply just from five minutes or, or 10 minutes, I think it was, every single day of just sitting and doing nothing. Yeah. You don't have to do it perfectly. Like there, there is no perfect meditation, yeah. right? It's, it's just the, it, whatever you want it to be.
2: Yeah, it's the number one misconception with meditation. Mm. I'm doing it wrong. I can't think about nothing. And nobody can think about nothing. Like, it's impossible. Tibetan monks are not sitting there thinking about nothing. They might think about nothing slightly more than you but thoughts are still coming into their heads. The number one thing that meditation teaches you is not to not have thoughts, but is to observe your thoughts and realize that you are not your thoughts, especially when you're in a poor mental health state. It's actually even easier to realize you're not your thoughts to have perspective on your thoughts and understand that they're not your thoughts and understand where they might have come, come from, what might have caused them, is one of the most powerful tools you can ever learn for your life. Yeah. Full stop.
1: Yeah, totally. Because I always think about that subconscious part of your body, whether it's your brain or something else, I'm not sure. But for example, it's like your subconscious knows more than your thoughts. Mm-hmm. So if your thoughts and your brain is is kind of telling you to be logical and, and, and telling you to do something, but your subconscious is telling you something else, I, I, that is just the perfect way to put it into perspective for me because it's just like my subconscious always knows, always knows the difference between right and wrong, but my thoughts are saying something completely different. So it's like these thoughts are not me. But I don't know what that subconscious is then. Like is that just another part of your brain? Is that something else?
0: You yeah, know? I mean that's it's... when it starts getting a bit trippy, you know. Yeah. Like, it does yeah. get trippy. But yeah. I reckon that's more you. I reckon your subconscious mind is more it, That's you. Yeah,
1: yeah. But I because mean we talk... your 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 thoughts haven't well, they they have been well, they've had a lifetime of outside influence, haven't they? Mm. Um, and things kind of affecting your thoughts, whereas your subconscious, I think,
2: hasn't. But I mean, we be, we talk about gut feelings, right? Mm. Like that's that's a that's a thing in society that we talk about. And the question is, where do those gut feelings come from? Mm. You know, that is your subconscious. That is that is your intuition. That is like you know, whatever you want to call it. You know, there is a there is another thing going on with who you are outside of your brain. It's
1: deeper than your thoughts.
2: Yeah, and so. You know, when you learn to trust your gut and trust your intuition, you find out that your gut is actually right 100% of the time and your brain is wrong so often. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. often. Mark Twain said, you yeah, I've got, know, I've got a thousand problems and, you know, uh, most of them will never, ever happen. Um, and and, and that's, that's the truth. Yeah. You know, we just overthink everything.
1: Here's a quick message from our sponsor, Sabaru. Well, it's no secret that both you and I bloody love Subaru. We both drive them.
0: Yep, that's no secret.
1: Well, I drive a Subaru Forester and that one Car of the Year last year in 2018. It's a medium SUV and you may ask, what does a medium SUV mean? Well, it means you get all the good stuff of an SUV of like feeling, you know, quite cool and high up in your big car. But it's a lot easier to to drive around the city and it's a lot easier to park, which is a big one for me. I mean, I kind of need all the help I can get in that department.
0: Mm, Yes, I'd agree with that. Well, okay, I can understand why that one car of the year.
1: Mm, And it's super safe, it's comfortable and it's full of tech. Some of that tech exclusive to Subaru.
0: Wow. like what?
1: Well, like the driver recognition system. So, for example, if you get in my car and drive it, which sometimes happens, and you change all the settings, you're putting the chair back, you're turning the mirrors, and then if I get back in the car, it's going to scan me, know who I am, and put all my settings back in place automatically.
0: Yeah, it is quite cool tech. I
1: know it's super epic. And what do you drive?
0: Outback, Subaru Outback. Love it. It's the people's car, the car of New Zealand. Why is that? Well it does everything, you can you drive around the city, it's all wheel drive, you can shoot up the mountain, it's got built in roof racks, chucks and boards on the roof, head down for a surf, big enough space in the back, you can go on road trips, you can, I've slept in the back, it's that big. Yeah, that is actually impressive because you're quite tall aren't you? Mm, correct. So go on, go check out one for yourself, visit Subaru.co.nz to check out the Subaru range and find an SUV to suit your lifestyle, and unlike Auckland's house prices, they're totally affordable sorry just going back to meditation so do uh, is there anything that you can you know recommend i'm I'm sure there's probably people listening that are like "Cool, i want to get into meditation where do i start practice yeah
2: like so uh, again like you can't wander in and do 40 minutes of unguided meditation day one yeah it just doesn't work like that it's like me going to the gym with you and trying to bench press 200 kilograms on day one i'll start with just the bar thanks um, and so w- what I teach in my basic reset program is a, is a very, uh, a simple start, which is music meditation. And, um, the, the program, uh, starts at very slow from, it goes like six minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, but over, over a period of a hundred days. But, um, basically the point is that you take the most beautiful instrumental music that you know, that you can find. I don't care if it's classical or electronic or whatever, you've just... You find the most beautiful music. You wake up in the morning first thing. So you do this first thing in the morning. Uh, why is me, uh, meditation best first thing in the morning? Don't even know. But the monks have been doing it for a thousand years. They say it's the best. I believe them. And
1: the monks know their shit. They know
2: their shit. So you get up first thing in the morning. Now, if you I don't have enough time, wake up 10 minutes earlier, 15 minutes, half an hour earlier, but I'm tired. Meditation has been proven to be as relaxing as sleep. So wake up in the morning... You roll over, you grab your headphones, you put them on your ears. You push play on the playlist that you've made of your beautiful music meditation. And let's just start with 10 minutes. And what you do is you simply listen to beautiful music for 10 minutes with your eyes closed, lying in bed. Now, if you're going to tell me that's too hard, then we've got some problems.
1: You literally don't have to get out of bed. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Now, all you do... Is listen to the music. Now we hear music all the time, but it is very rare that we listen to music. And so, like back in the sixties and seventies, like people used to lie down, put their headphones in, listen to records, like just listen to the music. We don't do that anymore. We play it. We play it in the car. We play it in you know while we're cooking, whatever listen to this music, follow it along, follow the piano or the violin or the drums or the bass line, whatever it is, you just follow it along and just listen to it. Then the thoughts will come in. Mm. That's just natural. And so what we do is we observe those thoughts. We go, ha, 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 I just had a thought. I can see that thought. And then you let that thought just glide away, like a cloud passing through the sky on a windy day. Just let it pass on by, by thought, Mm. back to the music. Just go back and follow that bass line, follow that piano, follow that drums, whatever. That's meditation. Every time a thought comes in, repeat the process. Day one, if you're meditating for 10 minutes, you might have 9 minutes and 15 seconds of thoughts and 10 seconds of clarity. Yeah. But guess what? It's day one, you're bench pressing a bar. Chill out. Mm. That's it. Day two, you might get 9 minutes, 45 seconds of thoughts, 15 seconds of clarity. That's it. You want to go live up in the Himalayas for the next 40 years and meditate with the monks? Yeah, you might then get to nine minutes of clarity and one minute of thought. But what we're talking about is the difference between fat person on a couch and Olympic level. Yeah. And right now, whether you like it or not, you're more than likely a fat person on the couch in your brain. And you want to get to Olympic level? It's going to take a lot of work. But... You live in New Zealand, you probably get to Commonwealth Games level. Um, <laughs> you know, might get to rep- like like you might get to play for Thames Bay of Plenty or something like that. Her capital uh, chances are pretty good. Yeah, that's right. Exactly, but but you've got to understand that you're not going to be a legend on day one. Mm-hmm. It is just it is impossible to be like brilliantly naturally talented, and you're you playing for the All Blacks after after a year. Like, just ain't working like that. Mm. It's a slow process that we build up over a lifetime. But the number one thing is you won't see the benefits until a little bit down the line, and then when you start to see the benefits, you'll just be like, holy shit, this is amazing. And the benefits just roll out through. Like, there's a Buddhist saying, which is, if you don't have an hour to meditate, you need to meditate for two. Mm. <laughs> and yeah. this is where it gets a bit esoteric and a bit crazy, But the more you meditate, the easier everything in your life becomes. And I'm not talking about, I mean, I am talking about like, you are less stressed in a lot of situations and stuff. But I'm talking real crazy stuff like when you meditate more and you move yourself up that continuum, cool shit just starts happening to you. Better people come into your life. Better job offers come into your life. Decisions are easier. Decisions are made way easier. Um, just all of these real crazy things just start happening. And like I can attest to these because not only do they happen to me constantly now compared to what used to, but I've watched them happen in other people as well. Mm. And it's very hard to explain because we can't measure your waistline or your bicep size or your mile time or whatever. It's you've got to be tuning in to be seeing these differences. Um, but you ask anyone that meditates properly, and they'll tell you that those those benefits are hugely there.
0: And that's and that's totally something that we can relate to. You know, we we've been probably meditating for the last couple of years or so, and um, it 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 wasn't until about three you know three or four months after practicing meditation that we really started to notice those differences, and it was just. So big for us, so big for our mental health.
1: Mm. And now I just can't can't wait to meditate. You like, you start to enjoy it. Then, as soon as it becomes a part of your life and you start to see the benefits, that's when you start to enjoy it.
2: Oh, I can, I can, I can see that, but no, mm. uh, don't enjoy it, hate it. Really? Yep. Even um, now. Yep, yep, yep. Like Libby loves it. My friends mm-hmm. love it. Uh, and for me, no. Nah. still, <laughs> still don't like it. Yeah. But but he, uh, he, and he, so I'm just that, I'm just that angry guy at the gym. Um, I'm just that guy that's at the gym. doing it because you got it. Just doing it, just it. Doing it to grunting it. Grunting away. Yeah, grunting, grunting away. Um, and and, and that's, that is also fine because, again, like everybody's different. Absolutely. And so, yeah, you might learn to love it and it becomes a wonderful, happy part of your life. Or you may be like me who doesn't love it, doesn't like doing it, but I'll tell you what, I wouldn't swap the benefits. Yeah you know yeah, totally. it's like i like just you just wouldn't yeah. and and so therefore you do it
1: yeah yeah it's for a kind of greater good i guess mm. oh absolutely yeah
0: um okay so apart from meditation what other tools can you chuck in your toolbox
2: well there are plenty now and this is the thing is like tools uh tools are different for everybody um and so it might be uh it might be your surf life-saving club, right? That gets you outside in the sun. It gets you interacting with your friends. Um, it gives you a purpose of saving people's lives.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Good thing to have in the mental health toolbox, right? Might be curry club. Mm. Curry. It's a bit of you, Matt. Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, I've got two friends that will attest to the ridiculous power of curry club um, in regards to having major life events happen. And so they, they're stuck to a – they're at a point where it's like the normal people of us are just like, well, this shit's happened to me. I'm going to sit at home and cry about it, right? Both of them have had a curry club where, oh, no, I can't sit at home and cry because it's Wednesday. It's the first Wednesday of the month. I need to go to curry club. And so these guys go to the curry club. It's got like a dozen of their mates there and – you know, they, they go, hey, how are you doing? And because they built up this, this curry club of, you know, once a month, 12, 15 people going out together for a curry, they built up like a community, they built up trust. And so when this guy says, how are you doing? My mate can legitimately go, not so great. Why? This just happened, oh shit! So all the boys around the table are like, "Well, I can help you with this part of it. I can help you with this part of it. I can help you with this part of it. We got you, bro." Like, holy shit! Is that a beautiful, beautiful thing? Mm. And literally, it's fifteen guys having curry. <laughs> like the power of curry. The power of curry. Mm. So you know, you, you can put you can put that in your mental health toolbox. Mm. You know, walking half an hour in, outside. In your toolbox um, I don't care if it's a knitting club I don't care if it's you know, a sense of purpose Like you're volunteering for something All of these things can go In your mental health toolbox And then we can throw in the actual um, Like psychological things There's a lot of positive psych things um, One, uh, I'll give you a quick example There's a thing called the five senses program And it's very simple Five times a day you check in with your five senses Um And so you take like one or two seconds for each sense five times a day and you might be drinking something and you're like, oh, that tastes nice or that tastes horrible. But you take two seconds to to check that in. You might just touch something. Like it's not often we actually think about the feeling of touching something, smelling, hearing, seeing, right? So we just check in five times a day. That absolutely proven to change the way that we think through neuroplasticity. That's another story.
1: I love that because that's classic mindfulness, right? Just like bringing you back to this moment because we're never in it, right? No,
2: exactly. But but I will go back into this, which is what I regard as the greatest discovery of the 20th century, and it's neuroplasticity. Um, And that is quite simply that our mind, our brain, is a muscle, just Mm -hmm. like any of our other muscles, and that by working it out, we can get it stronger. Real simple. That works in a slightly different way by, by sending conscious thoughts down particular neural pathways. So we send neurons down neural pathways. The, stronger, the more we send down particular pathways, the stronger those pathways get. The less we send down particular pathways, the weaker they get. The stronger a pathway, the more likely it is to be your default reaction to something. So if you are easily angered, you have a particular pathway that's very strong for that reaction. You want to get rid of that. You need to start replacing that with a different pathway, letting that one atrophy, and and then having this as a different response. Mm. The more you do that, the more you consciously work on that, the stronger they get. The more you change your default habits. I'll give you a good example. Libby, who's asleep on the bed over there, she uh, uh, she I I used to I used to verbally jab her. Like, just take the piss, right? Just funny quips, you know, not, not, not ridiculously horrible or anything, but, but not nice. Mm. Um, and so that was something I wanted to change. But you see, this was something that has been inherently me my entire life. Always done it. Just who I am, bad luck. Just part of my personality, can't change it. The process of changing this is simple, and this can be applied to many, 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 many other traits, and I did that as well, but this one is an example. What you do is, when I would jab her, step number one, be aware of it. Like, oh, I did that. Step number two, optional but recommended, apologize to your wife. Step number three is very simple. You close your eyes, you stand there. And I look inside. Like I, I visualize this trait as being a ball inside of me. It's not me, but it's just inside me right now. And I look at this ball, and I say, I do not choose you. And because if you're going to get rid of something, you might as well replace it with something else. Mm. You change that pathway, right, from one to another. I do not choose this pathway. I choose love instead. And so I replace. I replace that. Horrible, quick-wittedness, and I I choose love. And so, you know, for maths and argument's sake, let's say I jabbed her once a day. So week one, seven days, seven jabs. Week two, seven days, seven jabs. Nothing's changed. Week three, seven days, five jabs. And you're like, oh, cool. Um, That's, you know, that's better. You know, fast forward week seven, seven days, no jabs. Week nine, seven days, one jab, repeat the process. But after a couple of months, I'd literally taken something that was inherently me and I had changed it to not, not to do that anymore. Taken a trait and got rid of it. And that was one of the most liberating things I'd ever done in my entire life because it was something that I felt was such like just a part of who I am, and bad luck, there's just the the hand that I got dealt, and then it's like, nah, you can change that. And so then I went, okay, cool, I'm going to go through and start changing everything. And I did.
0: That's awesome. Um, One question that some people might be thinking with regards to mental health, um, hey, Jimmy, why can't I just take a pill and make things better, go see a doctor, they might put me on antidepressants, make me feel better.
2: Can I can I give you a? Can you give me a pill for, for your six pack? Not currently, no. No, no, <laughs> no. So I can't give you a pill for depression either, and um, and so so this is the thing. And um, yeah, we we treat uh, depression, anxiety, mental health as an on-off switch. Yeah, yeah, you, you, you have it and then you don't have it, and so you, that person's got it and that person doesn't. Like one or the other. When it's not as we've explained, it's on a it's on a continuum, and so. Uh, depression is not a disease, it's not an illness. Um, we like to victimize it to be that and people like to claim that they are a victim and they've they've got this disease uh, and they do not. Um, depression is not an illness, it's a symptom. Um, there are some mental health illnesses, absolutely. Your uh, schizophrenia, your, your bipolar, things like that, absolutely, those are mental health conditions that need to be treated. The vast majority, and I'm talking about high 90%, the vast majority of mental health cases of depression and anxiety are lifestyle-based. And what that term means is that basically the way that you live your life or the things that have happened to you are causing you to have a period of low mental health. Taking a pill does not change those circumstances. Um, Now... You might say this woman comes into the doctor and the doctor's like, what's wrong? She's like, I'm depressed. Like, I'm sad all the time. I cry all the time. And he's like, here's some antidepressants. And she goes away. She comes back a couple of months later and she's like, doctor, I'm still sad. I'm still depressed. And, and he's like, well, just keep taking these. And then she comes back and he goes, well, you know, maybe I should actually ask about what's going on in your life. You're like, oh, how are you? Well, I lost my job. My husband beats me. And like, like yeah, guess what? The antidepressants are not going to fix your husband beating you or the fact that you have no purpose because you've lost your job and you have no income and, and then you have the stress based on that. Now, that is the same for pretty much all of the lifestyle-based mental health concerns, which is, again, the high 90s percentile of people. And so um, there was a study done about two years ago, uh, most comprehensive Study ever done on SSRIs, which are antidepressant medication. Fourteen of the top fifteen SSRIs in the world were found to be less effective than placebo, That's and crazy. only the one that was the one that that was better than placebo was only slightly better than placebo. And then, like, I'm not saying. You're not allowed to be on antidepressants. And If you're out there listening and you're on antidepressants, that's cool. You just stay on them and, and, and do what you do. But the point is they are not going to fix your problems. If, if they can get you to a place that allows you to function enough to then make the wholesale changes, that's fantastic. That's what we need. But they are not going to take you from 5 to 80 they might take you from five to 25 and then once they uh, adjust to your blood and your body and become ineffective you might drop back down to 15 or 10 again mm. and so if you want to if you want to get way out if you want to keep going your responsibility you need to start doing the work yeah
0: totally yeah so and um Jimmy, you're coming back to New Zealand um, very soon Mm. for quite a cool project. Uh, Tell us a bit more about that. Uh,
2: I run a charity called Live More Awesome. It's not about mental illness. Mm. It's called Live More Awesome. And Art Green, would you like to live more awesome? Hell yeah. Matilda? Matilda?
1: Absolutely. Fucking A,
2: of course. You want to live more awesome. And it's about moving up that continuum. So uh, our our charity does that. Um, And one of the things that we need to do is change the way that people uh, talk about and understand uh, mental health in general society. Because I can't get them to change without them wanting to change, right? And so I need to be able to talk to a lot of people. So therefore, I need mass media. Unfortunately... The media don't really want to talk about mental health. They might report on someone killing themselves, but they don't want to talk about how to make people happier and healthier. So I've got to manipulate those bastards. And the best way to manipulate them is to give them something that they want to report on and then go, yep, we can talk a little bit about that, but I'm going to talk a whole bunch about this at the same time. Um, and so my big media manipulation was I decided to build the world's biggest water slide. Now, I like water slides. They're fun. And if you're going to do it, don't half-ass it. You might as well build the biggest one in the world. <laughs> so I have a Guinness World Record for the world's longest water slide. And... Um, February 8, 9, 10 next year, we are pulling it out for one last go. I have something I want to say, and I need media to want to talk to me about it. Uh, This whole uh, rebranding of mental health to mental fitness to take away those horrible connotations of mental illness that people think with mental health and get people thinking about mental fitness and how they need to be you know, working on it day to day. Um, I can I can release that tomorrow and the media won't give a shit. Um, but if I release that in February uh, when I've got a water slide going on, they'll talk to me. And so uh, also bonus, uh, I get to slide down the world's longest water slide again. <laughs> totally. and, um, and so yeah, tickets went on sale last week. Uh, and they sold out in 22 hours
0: If, uh, if, if they want to like, watch it or anything like that Can they, can they tune in on any, anything? How can they track it down? I think just follow us on social media We'll be live
2: streaming and, and, and putting up some photos And all that sort of carry on um, But yeah, it's, um, it's, it's less about the actual event itself And more about the ability to manip- manipulate the media um, Really I
1: love it, I love it <laughs> Cool. So good um, What's the actual Instagram page?
2: Uh, live More Awesome.
1: Oh, Live More Awesome. Sweet.
0: <laughs> well, that's
2: awesome. <laughs> yeah, LiveMoreAwesome.com, Live More Awesome on Facebook, Live More Awesome on Instagram. Live oh, More
1: Awesome easy. in real life. You nailed the domain. All right, cool. And should we finish off with our favorite question that we ask everyone? <laughs> uh, if you had three oh, – if you could only eat three foods for the rest of your life, what would they be?
2: Um, we haven't really got into this. I mean, you guys talk about nutrition and stuff. I don't, I don't like food.
0: Um, yeah, you're the first person I've ever met that doesn't really care about what food they're eating. You kind of, yeah. you've, um, you know, seen food as just fuel for your body, right?
2: Yeah, and and so I, I do a thing called intermittent fasting, um, not because it's a cool trendy thing to do, but because I really only eat once a day, um, and so I usually eat between like four and six at night, um, once a day, uh, one meal, and that's it. Um, so. Before I gave up sugar, like candy was my number one happiest thing. This is the thing that I actually genuinely liked. Uh, Now I genuinely like not much. Um, uh, We live in Mexico, uh, and my favorite thing to eat here is carpaccio, uh, which is very thinly sliced uh, dorado or mahi-mahi or tuna um, with lime, uh, chimichurri, uh, and some onion, salt, and mango. Uh, that's my favourite thing to eat here. Um, Sounds delicious. Oh, it's 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 very nice. Um, uh, number two, I very much. Uh, will go back to New Zealand. Uh, I uh, there's a there's a restaurant in in Devonport um, called Hung Viet, and uh, they do the best pho in town. That's very, very good. I very much I very much like that. And um, just because I don't want to think anymore, and uh, I'll throw this last one out there. Uh, we, we were talking last night, I'm a bit of a chicken wings aficionado. Mm. Um, shout out to my boys Nick and Kieran at Sal's Pizza and their chicken wings. Mm. Uh, their their classic buffalo sauce. Uh, gotta goes go there, goes down a treat.
1: Yeah, we love a good chicken wing. I mean you did kind of go three meals with a lot of different What foods, was the question? But we'll <laughs> we'll totally let it slide. So it's three foods but you know Yeah, the
0: meals. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy with that.
1: That's a bit more exciting, isn't it? Yeah.
0: He got his shout-outs in. I yeah. can do what I like. <laughs> He's living more awesome. Give him a break.
1: Yeah. Hey, well, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. It was awesome. You
0: are most welcome. But th- yeah, thanks for flying us all the way over here just for this interview. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, easily <laughs> done. Anytime, eh? Cheers. Happy. Muchas gracias. Bye-bye. Ciao. And that's a wrap. Thank you for listening to another episode of Well and Good with Art and Matilda, brought to you by Raw Collective, the podcast network behind the creation of this fantastic show.
1: And you'll find all updates on the Raw Collective Instagram, as well as on their website, rawcollective.co. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please tell your friends to give us a listen.
0: And if you didn't enjoy this podcast, then keep your mouth shut. No one wants to hear from you.
1: (laughs) And lastly, if you could please remember to subscribe to and rate this show. This ensures that other listeners can find the show too.